The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6 a.m. on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. Joining us now to discuss are Bloomberg's senior executive editors, David Merritt and Stephanie Flanders. Um, David, good morning to you. Um, how are you, first of all, looking at this going into a right decision today amid the, all, everything that's happened since the Bank of England last met? Well, yes, everyone's head has been spinning over the last few weeks, haven't they? We, we will hear some details for the bank today. As, as you've just heard, widely expected to see 75 basis points. I think Bloomberg Economics are not quite as sure about that as the market. They're saying there's a bit more of a risk. We might see half a percentage point. But assuming we get to 75, that's the biggest rate hike that the Bank of England has done in more than three decades and shows clearly, therefore, you know, the severity of the, the situation we're in. Also, this fact that they're going to confirm probably that we are already in a recession and yet still they feel the need to hike these interest rates. I think the thing to, one of the things to look for today is any hint of where the peak might be in rates. You know, Where in the cycle are we? And when can it, we expect there to be some sort of ceiling put on? You know, Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about possibly an enormous hike of about 200 to 200 basis points needed to um, contain the real financial crisis that was starting to engulf Britain. That has obviously died down enormously with the change of government or the change of administration. Um, but there's a, still a lot of uncertainty. We don't yet know what the government's fiscal plans are. We're still going to have to wait a couple of weeks for that. OK, so we're waiting for, for till November the 17th, of course, for more details there. The Bank of England having to wait as well. Stephanie, let me bring you into the conversation. Um, so we are expecting the 75 basis point hike, which might sound hawkish, but people perhaps expecting it to be delivered in a slightly more dovish fashion than we saw last night with the Fed. Does that fit with your expectations? Yeah, I think uh, they. I think the reason we probably will see a 75 basis point uh, increase is because they're already going to be a little bit dovish on where the where the rate ends up, right? So, at the moment, the market is. If you look at the forwards curve, uh, you're looking at still over five percent or around five percentage points um, peak in bank rate. Well over. I mean, a massive increase in. I think it was about two and a half or three. It was expected to peak at in the summer, um, and I think they will. They will want to show quite clearly that they think that's overdoing it by the Bloomberg economics has always thought that was overdoing it we think it's going to be more like four four and a quarter percent and the way they always do that uh, as you'll remember with all their great fan charts and their forecasts is they show what the inflation they think inflation would be at what is in market implied rates if we did what the markets expected what would inflation be and I think those will show that inflation would be well below target um, within the within the normal forecast time frame that is their traditional way of showing you know what we think investors are overdoing it a bit it's going to be lower than that but you could, I don't think you could do that and have a half you know, have a smaller than expected rate rise without people questioning whether you were really committed to that inflation height fight 
Stephanie, how different is the the picture facing the Bank of England compared to the Federal Reserve? I mean, we're talking about them pushing up their idea for for a terminal rate. Um, the t- calculations, though, quite different being made on, on Threadneedle Street. Yeah, I mean, we've always had this position of being stuck in the middle, right? We have the same energy squeeze as Europe. We don't have our own fantastic, you know, big source of energy, domestic energy that the US has. But we have a US style hot labour market, which is still hot. It's not slowing down, even though the economy is, um, it seems quite clear, is is already um, in recession. So the Bank of England's always been balancing that. And I've always thought that was why it was a bit unfair um, when there was some question about whether some of the pain coming down on the trust government was really also due to the Bank of England for being slower than the Fed. I don't think there would ever have been a case for the UK to go at the same pace as the Fed because we had this massive squeeze in people's standard of living coming through that energy price squeeze. But you know they are looking at a challenging situation, even though there's not a sort of mad run on the pound right now, so they can sort of be a little bit more relaxed about the pound. Um, they are looking at inflation higher than expected because, remember, that two-year um, freeze on, on energy prices that was going on on household bills is now only six months. So our forecasts show inflation going back up again uh, in the second half of next year. Mm, yeah, it's proving tricky to keep tabs on inflation. Unless they do something, I mean, you kind of assume you assume that they're going to do something to fix that, the government. But at the moment, yes, inflation goes has another kind of mini peak after the freeze comes off in April. Right, yes, and so that we know about what happens up to April. We're still waiting for clarity on what happens afterwards. We might get that, I guess, uh, Dave, on November 17th, mm. a bit of insight into that at least, because that's when we get a further autumn statement, so some more f- fiscal clarity. We seem to be seeing a bit of a dullness dividend, it's being described <laughs> as, in markets right now, as if there is an assumption that it will be dull slash conservative with a small c. How should we work our way towards November 17th? What are we looking for? Well, there's there's a bit of pitch rolling going on, obviously, isn't there? And I think, you know, the the... the... If you look at the way that Rishi Sunak behaved as Chancellor, he wasn't a big one for, for surprises. In fact, he used to get told off, didn't he, for uh, <laughs> trailing all of the big measures from his budgets before he'd told Parliament. Um, managing we, expectations. Well, managing us. expectations. We obviously had a very different uh, approach with Kwasang's <laughs> one brief budget where he pulled multiple rabbits and hamsters and things out of his hat. And obviously, we, we all know what happened next. So I think they are trying, him and, and Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, are trying to roll the pitch very effectively. And they're, they're dishing out the bad news, aren't they? They're saying, look, there's going to be no easy choices. Um, we've got a big fiscal pl- a hole to plug. People are going to have to pay more tax. And uh, we're going to have to cut spending. We don't know exactly where the details are that. There are various uh, reports coming out of, are they going to slap another big windfall tax? That's today's report on the energy firms, for example. Are they going to rinse the city a little bit more, get a bit more money out of the banks? They've got to tax somebody. Um, I think politically, obviously, this idea of cutting income tax for the highest earners, that's not going to make a, a comeback. Um, but we're still going to have to wait and see. So they're trading quite a lot of bad news at the moment. Maybe politically, perhaps that's uh, an indication they might be able to roll some of that back. What we know is in the in the couple of weeks since they've been in power, uh, we've seen the long term interest rates come back down. You know, the, the 30 year gilt yield is back down to where it was before Quarteng's budget. So that does give them a little bit more headroom. Borrowing costs of the government are probably a little bit better than they were two weeks ago. So things are not quite as bleak, perhaps, as they were when they took over. But there's definitely going to be um, some tough things politically announced on the 17th. Uh, Stephanie, just uh, one of the things, of course, we think about when we think about rising interest rates is the effect that it'll have on the property market. There's been lots of warning signs about, you know, what what's going to happen to property prices in the UK. Obviously, higher rates means mortgages get more expensive. How key is the sort of property market to, to what might 
happen to, to what the effect of, of the Bank of England's decision might be? Yeah, I think then that's obviously, again, one of the things that the Bank of England has to weigh that is not an issue for the Fed, where, um, you know, as as we know, you get your 30-year fixed rate mortgage and there is less of a, con- there's obviously a concern about people coming into the market, but it doesn't have the same kind of immediate impact on, or nearly immediate impact on people's spending power. Um, so I think, uh, you know, there's, there, I don't think there are many people betting on a house price rise over the next year. We think there's going to f- the prices will will fall by around 10%. I can't help wondering whether they will overshoot that. We certainly could see the 10% very quickly, and we're also likely to see um, a sort of freezing up in the market, as you'd usually expect, people not wanting to sell at the, the falling prices and others waiting for them to fall. Um, it does, uh, you know, it is interesting, though, when you look at, as David said, the sort of uh, moron premium or whatever it was for that we were paying relative to sort of similar countries like Germany in terms of the increase in borrowing costs. Um, That has gone away. But the big rise in mortgage rates that people were seeing on a five year fix kind of around the 6% mark instead of 2% 2% something on the summer, that has not gone away. And that's because obviously we're looking over the longer term if you're a bank, but you're also potentially worrying about loan provisioning. So if you've got, if, if people are, if you're actually going to see losses in the housing on, on your mortgages, you are building in more of a cushion. So I think that's a striking thing. We may not see mortgages move as a result of this Bank of England rate rise because, you know, as you'd expect, a lot of it's been anticipated mm. in those high rates. And people are going to be facing as a lot of mortgages, particularly being refinanced. Um, refixed in the spring and you know a lot of concerns about people then not passing the affordability tests when people look at what the new price is relative to their income and some difficult challenges for regulators coming out of that. That that does sound very difficult then doesn't it in the springtime. Um, Let's not lose sight of the global context of course we started this conversation reflecting on what the Fed has done last night and I just want to get your thoughts on that uh, Stephanie. I I saw a note from Standard Chartered saying their big big takeaway was hike slower but end higher and it does seem this refocusing of attention on the terminal rate seems to be where uh, Jay Powell and the Fed wanted to take the conversation. Was it unashamedly hawkish for you? Did you see anything of the of the hiking slower coming through? You know, actually, I think there was a bit of a wrong footing of the market. And you saw that in the sort of whipsaw of the, of the S&P response, that in the statement, it seemed that they were sort of preparing the way for a pivot, which would be sort of, not being no, not being chained to the data dependency. You know, the data's not really behaved in the last few months. The data's got worse. So there's no real argument for the Fed to say, oh, inflation's coming down. We've seen the data. Now we can pivot. We can go more slowly. So in the statement, there seemed to be a signal that they were thinking to go a bit more slowly on the basis of the not being quite so data dependent. And the markets kind of went off to the races on that. And then Powell was quite clear, at least towards the end of his press conference, he um, signaled that higher terminal rate. Um, that, you know, incidentally, <clears throat> excuse me, our US chief economist has been signaling since July that it would go to 5%. Um, that is where the Fed is. That's where the markets is, the markets are now. Um, so I think there was a kind of two-way, you're quite right, that it's it's going to be a higher rate, but we're going to get there more slowly. And that was why those those who were hoping to see kind of straightforwardly dovish pivot, I think, were, were, were disappointed. Okay. Um, looking forward to the next step that comes after the Bank of England of the UK is that fiscal statement as we've been talking about it, right, the autumn statement as it's now being uh, upgraded to on the 17th. We don't have, we're getting drip feed information about what's being discussed in terms of measures. The Prime Minister yet to reach a decision on two of the potentially most contentious options. One is breaking the pensions triple lock, the system that sees it rise uh, essentially according to inflation wages or or 2% or 
cutting benefits in real terms. Do you think though either of those sort of are going to have to come onto the table, Dave? Well, he's going to have to do something to plug this to plug this gap. As I said, as I said earlier, some of the reports are out. You know, perhaps a windfall tax on on the energy companies, which you know Liz Truss had ruled out uh, over the summer. Um, there, um, you know, there is a hole in the public finances that wasn't actually there when he stepped down, and uh, that is uh, this yawning gap has opened up, and something's got to be done to fix it. But you know, uh, just listening to Steffi talk about the housing market, listening, uh, to, you know, thinking about the, that other big cliff edge around energy costs in the spring. You know, the housing problem is going to be a drip, drip. Um, negative for the economy um, over the over the next year. So it's a very, very difficult position the government finds itself in when it's forecasting into next year with rates where they are. Um, you know, we've got public sector strikes looming, nurses balloting mm. to go on strike. With 10% inflation, the government can't afford to increase public sector pay anywhere near that amount. And anything less like that is going to feel like a pay cut for everyone. So we are entering another period of austerity here. And the decisions the government have to make are going to have to be between, you know, taking from one person to give to another. Um, it's going to be very, very, very difficult for them to pull that off. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.